You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. From Chicago and Jersey, through the magic of Zoom, this is the Kavrusa. I'm Avram Kivalevich. And I'm Kalman Warch. Kalman, I know that uh, we've sort of dedicated ourselves to have discussions which are beyond this period that we are living in, but it seems like no matter what, we seem to start with issues that have arisen through COVID. And one of the things that, of course, everyone has, whether they're a religious Jew, whether they're Jewish or not, is how crucial what we're doing right now, speaking through computers, through cell phones, how important it's been to be connected. And more than any other time, perhaps, since the invention of the iPhone, and the invention of the PC, these items have been crucial for our life. In order for Shurim to go on, in order for business to go on. Now, others much wiser than us in terms of sociology, and maybe even in Frumkite and Tyre have talked about what this means and how careful we have to be. We did our own show about fighting the internet. But I want to ask you, Kalman, uh, as a teacher, as a person who uses this technology proficiently and constantly, what do you see now as being the challenge, especially as we hope that through the vaccine, we're not going to be in this situation anymore? Well, I think it's a, it's a very, I, th- I think that a lot of people are, are already thinking about this, but I think it, the issue started um, before COVID, obviously, but now it's become so much worse is that everyone is basically constantly plugged in to whatever technology they have with them. And it's become an understanding um, amongst society that when I interact with someone, I'm no longer interacting with just them. I'm interacting with them and their phone. It, people pull out their phones during conversations People will pull out their phones when there's a, a small break in the conversation. People will answer their phones when in conversation. And then when people have nothing to do, they'll pull out their phone and they'll do whatever it is that they're doing, whether they're playing games or texting or, or they're on social media. And it's almost become like every person has two personalities. You know, we used to think of, of a person as a nefesh, a ruach, and a neshama, you know, the, the life force, their, their spirit, and, and their soul. And now we've, uh, the, there's the physical body, and then there's that person's technology, what they're connected to. They're people who have, who have um, you know, ha- um, AirPods in their ears all day because, you know, it's not plugged in, and so it, it, they don't, never need to remove it. So I can be sitting there in conversation with someone, and I don't know if he's listening to me or the news or some uh, music station um, while he's in conversation with me. So I, I think that um, it's gotten so much worse now that we're locked at home and we're almost expected to be plugged in to work and to do what we're, we would normally not be allowed to be plugged in during those times. And now we are, um, we are completely, completely obsessed and tied in to the point where people have trouble getting away from it. Now, I want to avoid the addiction issues, but where I do want to focus in on is this sort of the way that it's okay amongst people to be so dependent 
And number two, that there's almost this expectation where if you don't respond to someone's text in an hour or you don't answer the phone call that, that the world must have ended because why is this person detached from technology? I mean, I can go on, obviously, but uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what I've said. So yeah, okay, look, look, I'm, I'm happy to sit back and uh, not pontificate and listen to your wisdom. Of course, it isn't much original wisdom today because this has been stuff that, as you said, has been regurgitated and sp- spoken out again and again since uh, cell phones, especially since the iPhone developed. Uh, but you're, you know, many people, many social critics, whether it's Stephen King and his book Cell, Philip Roth uh, wrote essays about it. Um, besides in the Frumvelt, how, how incredibly ugly and demeaning it is to the people around you when you're walking around talking uh, uh, to yourself. You're really talking to somebody else. Um, human interaction, talking, um, binge watching. Uh, we know that that has caused uh, the fact that it's so easy to sit with your phone and spend hours and hours uh, staying up at night, which has uh, stopped productivity. Yes, Coleman, you're right. You basically are digging up something which has been uh, criticized and people realize what its de- deleterious effects are. Um, but they've been at a loss uh, to come up with answers. Um, I'll start us off with, I think, what, what could be a little bit of an answer. Okay. I think. I, that- I just want to add before you go on, I, I, the reason why I'm bringing it up now is because um, and I think that when we come out of COVID, I think this is the opportunity to make those changes. So if I may ask you, I would specifically ask what recommendations you would make as we come out of quarantine, as we move out, to not allow the even deeper dependency that we've developed over these months to affect us. Please go on. Yeah, okay. Well, look, let me start with uh, quoting uh, the famous Dr. Laura Schlesinger, right? She was the one who was pushing for years. I'm not sure if she's Shemir Shabbos anymore, but she's one of the people that was pushing to her audience for years, the greatness of Orthodox Judaism, that there is a time that we have to disconnect because of halacha. And I think that that started, that idea started, people talked about a Sabbath from technology, and many people who weren't even Jewish at all uh, started adopting that one day off. And you started seeing it in many of these magazines and articles that this is something healthy to do. Now, of course, we in Kuala Yisrael, like we said, although, by the way, parenthetically, uh, as, as a machanach, I know that there was this other issue, which of course were kids who were so stuck to their phone that they were texting on Shabbos, and it's almost, and we know about that. We know that that problem exists. But, but assuming, let's go with normative uh, Judaism, uh, that we hope will come back completely past COVID, we already have one day a week, especially where we know we're not going to be interacting with our phones, and we're not going to be having uh, technology there. Now that that could be the beginning. Since that is there, if we work on our Shabbos, in other words, instead of preaching the evils of technology during the week, let's build up the positivities of the non-technology day the most as possible. And this way, for example, meals where real interaction occurs between people at the table, instead of, I'm checking my phone, I'm looking at my phone, that can't happen on Shabbos. And therefore, that becomes a model for something that could could grow. Now, we're all, we, we don't all sit and learn all day, right? However, 
Shabbos might be a time that instead of computer games where you're playing someone uh, who's not even speaking to you, get involved more in board games and other types of mutter, halachic games to play on Shabbos, which again, build that type of social connection that cannot be really replicated uh, with technology. Now, it's true, with Zoom and stuff, you can move something, but the idea of actually the, the immediacy of those moments cannot be replicated. The immediacy, the body language, the nuance. So again, I, I think we have sort of the answer. I think Shabbos gives us an answer in, in many ways. Um, it, it, it's at least the beginning, Okay. Now, what do you, do you agree with me? I agree with you. I think, I think that's great. I, I think that, um, number one, the idea that Shabbos has always been there and has kept us in check to a certain degree, I think that's true. I, I, I think you're right that emphasizing that during the times of COVID um, will allow us to not fall as badly in, into it. Um, I, I think it's a great suggestion. Um, I, I think we need I, we need something more though because um, yeah I, I found that uh, people have said to me you know Rabbi you give uh, classes uh, um, maybe we can continue you can bring your your computer in to your classes afterwards and the people who want to attend can attend and the people who want to sit at home in their bathrobe uh, and and attend this year should be able to to do that as well so I I I, I think. I think we need something, we do need to focus in on the week. I, I don't know what, what solutions there are, but I do think that we need to not just try to, I think you're right, within the family, but in general, what would be a way, without crazy banning stuff that, you know, that of course never works, but how, and I wouldn't even say it's a from community issue, it's a worldwide issue. How do we get humanity to reconnect after we've become so, we've spent the last four months disconnected from each other physically and connected technologically. And yeah. now we have to somehow make that shift. I think we're going to have a hard time with it. Yeah, I agree. I don't, have, I don't have an easy answer. I just want to comment on one thing that you said. I know this is more like a discussion show than we're taking the swords out and, 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 and fencing with each other. But I would say that the hybrid model which is people I've spoken to professional educators and uh, those of you that are listening on our platform, of course, know that we have a whole program on that. That's called on principle. And a number of those educators have spoken about this hybrid model where schools are going to be partially, and there's going to be some students that are going to be distant. Some teachers are going to be distant. I, I think that what we're going to see in the schoolroom is going to be replicated in your shiurim, hopefully my shiurim as well, where there is going to be this sort of like partially the people that, or Moister Nefesh to come. And I think that's probably going to be some of the older people, the people who actually don't want to be shut-ins, the people that crave human interaction and that need an interaction. And then there's going to be the others who I, I think those people who are asking you for expansion have a point. They're ones that, you know what, I wish I could get, I wish I could leave my house, but I have all these, this list of things to do including the toddler and, and, and the two-year-old and the three-year-old, whatever it is, and my wife, but I would definitely be able to be part of the experience if it was open as well uh, virtually to people to come in. So, so I think I think that is going to happen. I think we have a bit of a contention at this point because it almost seemed to me like you were 
encouraging, you know, and I get it, I get it, I should say, for the person who can't get out of the house, and if you made it available via Zoom, they would join. So why not? But but I, I do think that what you're going to have is a bunch of people who'll be like, well, fine, then that means I don't have to leave my house on Sunday at all. I'll, I'll attend a, a minion via, via Zoom, and then I'll go to a sheer via Zoom, and then I'll attend a family barbecue via Zoom. I, I think that people are going to, if we give in, even for the person who needs it, there is this great danger that we will now create this format to allow people to become even more antisocial and technology dependent and and then uh, and I, I think that you may be encouraging that <laughs> without taking away from the benefits that the person who actually needs it will gain. Look, you know the the, the famous Gemara in Brachas that talks about the day that they uh, put down Reb Gamliel and brought back they brought to the forefront Reb Elazar Azaria. So there was a, they said that there was Netoisafesapsolim. There were many, many chairs that were brought back into the into the base medrash. More people came and learned. So the Gemara describes what it was in the time of Gamliel that they weren't able to come in. And the Gemara says there was a shamer up, the shamer to the Pesach, and the shamer Pesach, uh, somebody would approach. Uh, he wouldn't let anyone in. That his toichay was not kibara, that his inside was not like bar, but it was on the outside. He had to be a, a, a real, act, a real authentic human being. So, of course, everyone asks, how did the Shomer know, right? How did the Shomer know uh, who was Teichai Kivare, right? How did they let in? Was they have Chochmas HaParzuf? So the Kotzker said very famously that he could tell because it wasn't easy to get there. The people that made the Ishtadlis, the people that made that type of effort to try to get in, even though it was somehow a maze-like labyrinth in order to find where to go, that was a simon that they really meant it. It wasn't just, hey, I'm just going to take it easy. So I think that there is something to that, that making it a struggle. Because if you don't struggle, then clearly you, you don't want it enough. And, and that's part of the reason why Naomi, we learned from Naomi in terms of the way she dealt with the, the, the gay rate Zedek, uh, Rus and Orpa that you have to be marchik first in order to later be makarik. When you make it a little bit of a difficult struggle to come to something, then you've proven yourself. So, so I agree. There, there, there is something about the shiurim shouldn't be snap and everybody can just jump in. <laughs> everybody can just be part of it. You do want to make it an A. Look, I'm not saying that you have to come uh, and find uh, some hole in the wall, but you do have to prove in a way to yourself that this is something that's meaningful. And then you're invested in it. It's sort of the same tarots the psychologists or the psychiatrists use for charging $250 an hour. If, you, if you're going to put that money down, that means you're really going to invest yourself in it. Something that you can just go on to Zoom, you're correct. It shows that, hey, I'm just channel surfing. And therefore, the type of commitment involvement is going to be less. So, so I agree with you, but I think the, there needs to be an understanding that hey, everyone who, let's say, if we're talking about shiurim first, because that's what me and you do. <laughs> we're not social planners. I think the way it should work is everybody wants to, to be part of this year, post-COVID. Please talk to me. And, and then you'll see whether you give them this pass for the COVID, for the, uh, for the Zoom. In other words, to just say I'm totally online for everybody, maybe you're correct. It basically weakens the involvement and, and you're sacrificing uh, quantity for quality. But I think there is a way 
to walk the line, where we go back to this uh, normal involvement, Torah, Yavakish Torah Mipiu Mamish, where there's 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 this tremendous dynamic, but we use what we learned in Covidville to actually have uh, the shuras, the second shura, the third shura. Gemara always speaks about the fact who was sitting in front of who, and somebody, one of the Amaroyim was one shura behind the other. There's the shura in front; those are the ones that deserved it, that have been Meister Nefesh, but we still have the bleacher seats. So I don't know if this is responsible or not. I, I just think that, you know, obviously, uh, both of us have um, a number of shurim available online. And I, I don't feel there's any concern about having shurim available online because there are people who can't make it to, to classes and, you know, having the opportunity to listen to it at their convenience, uh, you know, while they're driving or or uh, or you know, if someone wants to go to sleep, they can pick a particularly boring shear and uh, it works magic. But 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 it, it, what we're talking here is about specifically providing the opportunity for people not to need to move out of their out of their recliner. And, uh, you know, that, that I think that this is a serious danger, and maybe we could have made a whole a whole discussion just about how people are supposed to readapt themselves to social interaction. You know, now now that you've gotten used to social distancing, who needs who needs to talk to people anymore? I'm used to that. But specifically in the world of shiurim, I think that up till now, there's always there's a yetsahara not to go to not to go to a shir because there's lions walking the streets and there are you know, all, all kinds of uh, um, excuses that people make for themselves. I can't make it. It's too late at night. You know, I've heard from people, they said, you know, if you would have a shear during this specific time, at this specific time, on this specific topic, in this specific place, then I'd love to attend. I, I, I think we have to differentiate, as you said, I think you were trying to say this. Uh, there's a difference between coming and listening to something that was happened uh, in the past and being part of a human dynamic. Uh, we have a lot of fans and people who download this program. Uh, obviously, this program isn't meant to be a shear. It's meant to be a discussion for people to listen to. But even the shearum that you give, the shearum that I give, um, it doesn't have the, the power and the immediacy, uh, although hopefully it's done well enough. We're talking about human interaction. So let's move away from shearum for a minute, since this is, I think we've sort of exhausted it, and I think we're both pretty much on the same page about it. Um, and, and let's talk about what you said is the bigger issue, uh, which is, are people going to stop and going to become more inward? Are they going to shun uh, human interaction? Are they going to shun being part of the Kehillah, even when it's safe? And even when they see each other on the street, are, are people going are, are people going to be even less involved and connected to each other? And that was, I think it certainly will. I think that family barbecues are now going to offer a Zoom option. I, I think that uh, that uh, a bris, who, who now needs to fly in? Look, we spent four months, every bris and every chasna even. We attended by a Zoom. I'm happy about so, that. So I'm happy about that. I'm, I actually think that's, to me, that I think will be, and I've spoken about this on some of our other programs, my show Rizva Darais and other shows, and, and I think we might have touched on it as well. I'm actually happy that the, the Simchais, are going, people are going to review uh, what it means to be invited to a simcha 
And I get that, but you're talking. I'll give you that for the having 300 guests. Yeah, but but you know, even siblings and and uh, your parents of the of the Bali Simcha and uh, you know things like such relationships where where there is a a. Uh, there should be an understanding of putting in the effort. Yes, you have uh, 15 children, but you you put them in the 16 in the 17 passenger van, and you uh, you you drive, and, and Zoom is gonna. So even if we're not talking about, and I'll leave you with your uh, with your uh, lecture in terms of chasanism and, and brisim, but people are not gonna make the effort anymore, and we there's got to be a way to uh, press and push people. To okay, seek I, I, that more. I hear. Okay, this appreciate. is something. Yeah, this again, it might even be the barometer of who's the close brother and who's the close, you know what I'm saying? In other words, you're correct. Um, it, it, the fact now that you, you didn't have to fly into your, your nephew's wedding or, 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 or to come to the bar mitzvah might create a situation where, you know, we don't have to go to that one either. There's going to be a Zoom. Uh, we'll just, we'll just uh, send in a check. And not be involved. Um, I, I think it, I think it's going to be an interesting uh, test case. The the, the family that's going to feel close, just like Nebuchadnezzar by Levias, the families that, that felt that they had to be there will be there. I, I actually don't think that's a bad thing. I actually don't think it's a bad thing. Um, you know, it, it would be it would, it would. And let me explain myself a little bit better. Uh, yeah, I, you do need to explain yourself. I will, I will, I will. I, again, what do you mean? your brother's getting married. You you drive in, you fly in. It's in Antarctica, so you swim or you take a kayak. You know, you got to get there. Right, and I I, I want to remind everybody here who's listening how Rabbi Warch himself flew in for uh, my daughter's wedding, um, and uh, that was around seven years ago, um, two thousand and thirteen. Right, so I actually appreciated it. Uh, incredibly, and obviously it meant it meant a lot. Um, and uh, I assume post the vaccine, those type of things that you did for me, Kalman, and I, you know, I guess I'm a chief to do it for you. Um, <laughs> those type of things, I think, will still go on. Um, I think they still will go on. But I think, you know, in the past, brothers who lived miles away. Uh, hundreds of miles away, it was hard to have a connection. Uh, you know, I, I remember the time that you're talking long distance, playing up the phone, he's talking long distance, right? So uh, the, the idea of mo- living far away was almost a, a whole different world. And therefore the wedding was, your uncle's coming in, he's coming in from Des Moines, we haven't seen him in 15 years. That's not the case anymore today. And technology is one of the things that has that has leveled the playing field that way. So I don't really see it as such a uh, as, as as an imperative. I don't see it such as an imperative. Okay, your brother wasn't there. Okay, good. What does that show? It shows really that there probably wasn't that much of a. Again, the Kesher was there, but again, you probably had a Kesher throughout 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 the months and years through technology and other things like that. I actually don't see that as such a. I don't see that. I don't think the Jewish people are actually, or even the non-Jewish world, is going to suffer that much that the, the, the that we don't have these big events anymore. I don't know. It's just no, my I, I think we'll, I think we'll leave it to uh, disagree on that because I, I I can I'd like to if I may just quickly bring up one one more point if that's okay with you. Um, it's your um, show. 
it's it's well it's it's a bit tangential, but I, I think it's related. Um, is that uh, part of the issue that now that we've kind of taken for granted that we have uh, all this technology that's available to us? So I, I'd like to share with you a, uh, a a a the way that I heard this debate, even though this debate has taken place a million times already, and everyone's talking about it. But I heard this discussion between two people, one of whom argued that um, they're, they're, they plan on giving their child a cell phone as soon as they are, you know, katn hayudel and anea is the halacha. So the, in halacha, we say a child is obligated to perform mitzvahs once they're able to properly be responsible with that mitzvah. They said, as soon as my child is old enough where I could trust them to keep their phone, um, I'm going to give them the phone, um, you know, just... And they were arguing the reason why that's necessary is because to keep the child safe. The other person was saying, well, you didn't grow up without a cell phone. This is, these are old arguments. Um, and you were somehow safe. And the other person said, well, that's because, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to have such a thing. But had we had it, we would have said it too. So, I, again, that, that's an old debate. I think it's, it's been, it's been um, overly discussed. But what I am wondering is where we are now and the way that we've gotten children who are now at school on their computers. There are children who have cell phones. There are schools that are anti-cell phones that have purchased all their students' cell phones to, um, to be able to um, call in. And, I mean, these are special kosher phones that can only dial three numbers. But, but they've purchased cell phones. So I'm asking um, you, in, how would you say that the COVID should and could affect this old debate about uh, children and phones and technology, especially since you did seem to hint before that you were expecting the idea of Zoom school to still remain an option. It's a long question. I'm not sure exactly how I am supposed to answer this. Um, I do think that the answer that that you were mentioning uh, that times have changed is is crucial. It's a good answer. Um, clearly, um, stranger danger and other things in terms of being on top of our kids uh, is, a, again, we used to walk home from school. We didn't care. Nobody was guarding us. It is a different world. And it is a world that, that maybe cell phones is part of that terrible world, but it is a different world. And the idea of providing children when they're old enough not to flush it down the toilet some sort of item where you can keep track of them uh and you can send messages uh and then possibly be part of 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 of, of, of a school i think is going to be something that i think is very positive i i don't see it and again the kosher gurus will come up with ways to make sure you know i i i think one of the issues that that we have here is that I heard it by, I forgot which comedian it was who said it, but he said calling a cell phone or an iPhone, a phone, is like calling Alexis a cup holder. In other words, basically the phone part is really, it's really a supercomputer in the palm of our hand. So I think for the Jewish world and maybe even for the secular world, Kids should have some sort of beeper phone type of thing uh, as we move on. And it doesn't have to have all the other bells and whistles, uh, which is being drawn, being sucked into that world. But I, I do believe that that's something which is not 
uh, which is something which is probably going to be promoted. And I think it's probably something that will be a sign, not only of maturity, but a sign of being able to trust kids and being able to, uh, to keep a connection to them. All right, Kalman, I think this is... Yeah, <laughs> I think we 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 touched the tip of an iceberg here, and um, hopefully, you know, listen, uh, and maybe next time, maybe next time we can bring in a, a not only an iceberg, but maybe a Zalman Goldberg, or maybe we can bring in something else where it's actually uh, some a Teiradik Ashkofe. But uh, I think that hopefully we've given people something to stir the pot with, and uh, think about really what uh, changes and positivity of what their life should be post these events that we've been living through. So, he's my Chavrusa. I'm going to give you the rabbi today. Rabbi Kalman Warch. I'm my Chavrusa, Rabbi Gaon, Ram Kivalovitz. And this has been the Chavrusa. We'll see you hopefully next week. Take care, Rabbi Saif. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 